Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. Uh, Did the spin this podcast episode? Dun 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 What is it? Twenty two? Maybe. Uh, well, it depends if tw- the twenty two recorded is coming out, which I think is lost in the editing uh, hell. So I consider that the lost episode of Spin This Podcast added to the other lost episode of Spin This Podcast. But you know, I think we didn't cover too much in there. Well, that's not. Well, that's not entirely true. Didn't we talk about Heroes by David Bowie, or is that the episode before? Oh, we we were no, we talked about Oh um, um Hunky Dory. Hunky Dory. Yeah. Oh uh, well fuck. Should we talk about Hunky Dory again? Uh well, yeah, we can talk about Hunky Dory again. But wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Who what? Over there! I'm looking at something right now. What are you talking about? You, Aiden Claire. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, okay. We're in the same place Physical at location. the same time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I have literally I uh, just got off a long day of traveling by train from London to Ottawa. A ridiculous train ride. It's like 10 hours or something, isn't it? Uh, my first train was at 7.40 this morning. Yeah. And I was done traveling at like 5.30 p.m. Yeah, so, so like almost 10 hours. Almost 10 full hours. I mean, it takes a nice route. Like, it's yeah. a scenic route. It, the second train was a little bit longer than... Uh, predicted but it was like a long ass like from the toronto to ottawa just like broke me down uh you know uh like you have to go through like port hope and stuff like that or like all those little like areas uh, along the uh yeah exactly (laughs) oshawa (laughs) uh it'll deceive you into thinking you're in ottawa yeah (laughs) yeah um yeah, like it's been a long ass day. Uh, on my train from London to Toronto, I was lucky to have like no person beside me sitting. Yeah. So I had like the luxury suite of like, <laughs> you know, sitting on the train basically. Uh, you just put your shit on your chair next to you and shit. Those are always nice. Yeah. And then on my, and then it was like two hours, two plus hours uh waiting in the toronto train station and as someone that doesn't know toronto in the slightest i'm like terrified i was like all right i just gotta like look at the clock and when i'm approximately like this amount of time before my train i'll start looking for signs about it yeah when you first take a train to toronto it's union station that always fucking gets you it's even bigger now than what it used to be and it's even more intimidating we went to uh, Gravenhurst with my yeah. dad. My dad met us in Toronto, and we took a train to Union Station, and we were, like, always confused. <laughs> we were just in a perpetual state of confusion, yeah. me, my sister and I. Well, I spent, uh, I, once it was time to line up, I stood in a line, yeah. stood there for a long time. Guy comes up to me, and he asked me, like, is this the line for line 73? I'm like, no, this is for line 42. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, found out i was in line 73 like as the line was like started moving yeah like oh shit 
this line next to my line is the line I'm supposed to be in. So I was the, like, I had to get in line for my train. So I was at the very fucking back late getting in. Yeah. And I, of course I brought my bass guitar with me. So I was like lugging this fucking bass guitar and trying to shove it in compartments to, to transport it. You're, you're like a, a touring musician, but like a poor touring musician. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the one that can't afford a tour bus. Yeah. There's no tour bus on this tour. It's just lugging a base across the province. The train is the tour bus to hell. Yeah. And then uh, the ride from Toronto to Ottawa. I, uh, You know how there's a certain section of the train where there's two sets of two seats facing each other? Yeah. Uh, I was in that, but I was with a family of four. Oh, no. <laughs> it was literally a dad across from me or a dad in my seat and i was in the one of their seats yeah but a dad and his like three-year-old son and then a mother with like a five-month-old they i heard them mention it was five months old oh yeah baby and just you and me that's rough <laughs> and as soon as i sat down the kids said something to the dad and they're like no they he like that's his seat <laughs> like he has to sit there <laughs> oh no like, they already didn't want me there you're like they know i'm here <laughs> Yeah, and then, like, of course, with the baby, uh, they had to get up and change it, like, a couple times, so I was like... Oh. I mean, I my, my ass used the rest from getting up every couple hours to, to shimmy out for them. Yeah. It's not as bad uh, most of the time as being on, like, a typical airplane. If you're on a, a relatively, uh, like, a low-occupancy train, yeah, then it's a good... It's a decent yeah. experience, even though it might take a long ass time. Yeah, but yeah, it's kind of shitty when it's like fully occupied. And it w- when you go anywhere, like when you go to Toronto, it's like just generally generally like that. And also, like school is starting soon. Yeah. So I think that uh, well, that'll probably contribute to session it. tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, probably a lot of people coming home. Hell yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, it wasn't like the worst travel experience. It was just uh, a long one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just know what that's like. I mean, I like the the trip though, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like from a from a scenic perspective, I've always liked it. Yeah. Like going especially like going to London, but uh it's been a while actually since I went to London. Yeah. I just noticed that. Yeah, man. Uh we'd have to like figure out how to lodge you while you're there cuz <laughs> yeah. like now I'm I'm not at my you would come over to my folks' house. Yeah. Uh but they're gone now. Uh yeah. so now it'd be my apartment with the kids. And my partner, and you like on the couch. <laughs> yeah, it's like the same thing happened to you that happened to me. Eventually, all of my close family—well, I mean, uh, excluding like your current close family—just yeah. moved out of London, and so I have no connections there like, yeah. left. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, if jobs open up in Ottawa, you should come here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly. If the right opportunity came around where it was like in my fields, where it was something that was like a stable step up from what, but kind of the stuff that I do now, mm-hmm. that'd be something I would seriously look into. Yeah. Hell yeah. If it was like the right job. Well, Ottawa's like, it's decent. Like there's, it's, uh, the cost of living is like, it's like any city it's going up. That's, yeah. that's the kind of thing that's, that's the kind of thing that's a bit shitty about it. I was lucky because I got this apartment for... 1100 and that was before that was like right at the tail end of the lockdown yeah uh and so like apartment prices had gone down quite a bit yeah and uh the last place i was doing was like 
just over 900 but it was like basically the size of this room yeah yeah it was really fucking small and yeah. so it was just not worth it and then like i got a really good deal here so i'm just gonna st- i'm gonna like yeah man hold stay- on to this place hold on for as long as possible <laughs> like if you're moving from this place it, it if you do it should be to like a purchase of, a like purchase a, like a, yeah. a either a condo that you purchase or a yeah. I, uh the timing works out with that yeah sorry i just it started again we'll do like a cool transition at some point in there when we cut off because we're gonna cut like some of that stuff anyway yeah uh, i gotta move this slightly because i'm gonna rest my arm here yeah yeah <laughs> um okay so okay but you mentioned oh yeah it's okay yeah, yeah it's going now. uh like we're still in sync like thank god we're not doing this over facebook yeah that would be a nightmare but there was something that we talked about last podcast, and that was the whole Kanye thing, which eventually spiraled out of control. Okay, fill me in on the Kanye details. Okay, so last podcast, well, I gotta, I gotta give a uh, uh, previously on Spin This. Yeah, because like, ooh, la- ooh, yeah, ooh. yeah. So last time on Spin This podcast, we talked about like Kanye West. He had just lost his Adi- his deal with uh, Adidas, and he was like tweeting about it like quite a bit. And then there had been reports that uh, people who were his, like, co-workers who worked there had reported that he was, like, a big fan of Hitler. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is, like, laughable now because it seems, like, completely apocryphal. Like, why would somebody, uh, you know, just profess their love of Hitler? Yeah. But apparently it was entirely legit because he went on to the Alex Jones show and uh, <laughs> just like, he's like, you should love everybody, especially Hitler, especially the Nazis. And, uh, you know, talking about people who had, like, Jewish last names and stuff like that. So, like, uh, I don't know. He completely fucked up his entire, you know, business. Yeah. 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 And, <laughs> and there are things that, and you know, it followed in the wake of the disintegration of his marriage, too. So yeah. it wasn't just that he, you know, just randomly decided to nuke his deal with Adidas and all of his other kind of business-related uh uh established like you know businesses and connections and stuff like that you know he just like you know it probably was part of a you know emotional breakdown or like some kind of mental health crisis of some kind yeah i uh you know it's hard to to comment on kanye's actions because he's probably not in his right mind Mm -hmm. uh i hope that he gets better yeah (laughs) I mean, at his best, he's he's made music that people have enjoyed, and yeah. I've enjoyed some some of his music. It'd be nice if he wasn't like as much of a societal problem, yeah, as this. Well, I don't think like it's not just Kanye in isolation. It's the people who have decided to take advantage of him and have just like attached themselves to him, yeah. like. He was on the Alex Jones show, and then um, I think we talked on the last podcast, the Lost podcast, I should say, that he was uh, on Lex Friedman. Uh, but then um, it wasn't just that he was on Alex Jones; that like he's now associated with people who are on like the American far right. Like he actually went on to the Alex Jones show with uh, a guy named Nicholas Fuentes, okay. which is like an who is like an actual uh, like far right guy. They're part. Right. He's part of like a group called the Groypers, which are like. Like, they're, like, against all forms of immigration except for, like, white Anglo-Saxon Americans. Yeah. Or white, white Anglo-Saxon people. Right. So, 
I mean, it, it's weird that Kanye would kind of take that position, but he's also going on a whole tangent now <clears throat> about like um, how uh, black people are the true Israelites and stuff, which is already like an established thing. Like there are people in New York City that go around saying that black people are the true Israelites and stuff. Right. So he has decided to latch on to that too. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's Kanye. Yeah. Da, 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 da. But, like, it's hard to say because a lot of it could be mental health, but a lot of it, like, how do you know, like, which of it are his true beliefs or not? Like, is he going to actually one day backpedal all of this? Like, it's hard to say. Maybe he's preparing for the greatest comeback of all time, but he just has to yeah. tarnish his name and reputation in the process. Yeah. And then he comes back, like, I don't know. Yeah. Like a, like a resurrection, a second coming kind of thing. Well, it's funny when we talked about David Bowie because I don't think we talked about this when we talked about to Hunky Dory, but David Bowie, uh, I think in a, in a conversation with Playboy magazine, actually like mentioned how much he loved Hitler and stuff like that. Oh. And I had mentioned uh, that there were several references to the Nazis in uh, Quicksand, the song Quicksand off of Hunky Dory. Yeah. As well. I, I read that too. But. I think it was also in a period where Bowie was interested in like the occult and stuff like that, which was in the early seventies. So I think that probably some Nazi stuff was peripherally related to the occult stuff that he was in, like the golden golden Dawn. I think it was like, Uh, I I almost think that like David Bowie always kind of went by different personas and maybe this was just him kind of like diving deep on a specific concept for the like he got into it because he was writing music about it i don't know yeah like it, or maybe he's you know that's just his his thing <laughs> yeah i think that nobody it's funny because like he didn't get canceled because we didn't have that kind of cancel culture or whatever back yeah. then but he did say something about like how hitler was like the world's greatest rock star or something like that something cringe like that's right. i'm paraphrasing yeah, yeah but uh you know uh i don't think that he uh i'm not sure if he ever backed tracked on those comments but i don't think that uh he's like professed any um you know interest in nazism or of, of any kind yeah like there are other musicians i know who are like actual bad people <laughs> yeah like i was just thinking the other day about uh um there's this guy from england who does like his own kind of project uh, called death in june okay. and he's like um you know he has this kind of like stage persona and stuff like that where he's always wearing like a mask and stuff like that but a lot of his lyrics are about like uh are like very nationalistic and stuff like that and apparently he's right. like um i'm not sure if you call a national bolshevik but it's like it's basically like nazism but like actual sho- socialism uh oh, okay and i don't know there's there's other people in the music industry who are just bad people like um don't know why i'm blanking on his name do you know who i'm talking about no, but bad R- people. I was gonna throw out R. Kelly. R. Kelly, yeah, <laughs> classic. A classic. Chris Brown. Guy. Chris yeah. Brown. Classic piece Michael of shit. Michael Jackson. Yeah. Well, I mean, how mu- I'm not sure. I don't know much about Michael Jackson. How much of that is alleged? I don't know. I feel like he gets recanceled every couple of years. Yeah, like it kind of comes up again. <laughs> it's like okay. Yeah, it's like I, I think he's he's not in good books right now. Yeah. Uh, I already talked about it on previous podcasts, but Varg from Bursum, the black metal band who got arrested for murder, who's also like a, you know, um, also a different kind of far right kind of nationalist. Uh, who am I thinking of? 
the guy who produced the, the last uh, Beatles album. George Martin? No, George, I think George Martin actually took kind of a backseat on Let It Be. Okay. Um, um, he just produced the song Let It Be. I can't I'm blanking on his name, but I should know this. It's like I have pr- trouble with random names sometimes. They'll just yeah. escape me. Yeah. Uh, while you search that up, I saw like a clickbait article, and uh, my, my algorithms know I'm a fan of Paul McCartney. Phil Spector. Uh, Phil Spector. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, it, 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 this was a, uh, an article about John Lennon, though, where it's like, it was like very clickbaity, where it's like, top five musicians that John Lennon hated. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, Paul McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, uh, that's what this list is. And I think Bob Dylan was in the list as well. I don't recognize all the names on there, though. But Phil Spector and um, John Lennon were big friends. Uh, I mean, huge friends. Yeah, they were both. They were both a little weird, actually. I mean, um, there, there's allegations that like John Lennon beat Yoko Ono and stuff like that, and Phil Spector was obviously a murderer who had his own kind of emotional problems too. But uh, I actually watched a documentary about Phil Spector recently. It was on Showtime. It's pretty good. It was just basically like a recap of his life, and then like focused on his the murder. Like he murdered an actress named Lana Clarkson. He had like apparently a history of being extremely abusive towards women and. You know, he always carried a gun with him. He was kind of like an eccentric, but people always kind of like dismissed him. It was like, oh, that's Phil, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, I recommend that documentary if you find it. It's What's on it Showtime. Called? What's it called? I don't know, but it's got Phil Spector in Phil it. Phil Spector documentary, <laughs> non-specific. Yeah. Maybe it's on Crave. Maybe it's on... Untitled Prime. Phil Spector documentary. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, did we want to like talk about Tonky Dory? Yeah. I mean do we like we want to do our our kind of analysis on it again? Yeah. I, I would, Are we sure that's from the last episode? Because we did release 100%. one recently. hundred percent. It was the last one. What did it was we a long time what ago. was the album that we reviewed for the other episode we did? Did we do another one like that? I don't think so. Because yeah. we were also gonna do Royal Scam. Oh yeah. Well I don't think uh we talked about did we talk about Royal Scam on the previous episode? Because I remember I was like... Maybe the one I that came that out, one. we talked about Hunky Dory. And then we talked about Royal Scam last yeah. time? We, we might have said that we were going to talk about Royal Scam on a, pre, on a, on a following episode. <clears throat> I'm not convinced that we haven't released an episode where we talked about Hunky Dory. I think we may have. Yeah. Because I feel like I've listened to it. It's shitty because on last episode, like the only thing about last episode that I missed is that I memorized a lot of information. Yeah. And then I was able to remember most of it. Yeah. Um, like for example, and this will just be part of the, the conversation, but honky dory was produced by Ken Scott, but we had a lot of like producer collaborations. Uh, his longtime collaborator was uh, Tony Visconti, who I think produced, um, the album that preceded this one, which was, um, the man who sold the world. Yeah. This, this one being honky dory. Uh, and then, uh, but, I had noted that Ken Scott actually had a lot of producer credits, like Procol Harum, George Harrison, Jeff Beck. Uh, a lot, actually, a lot of them are engineer credits, but it was actually yeah. um, the reason that I decided to mention that was because after um, Hunky Dory, he started to get a lot more production credits um, because a lot right. of these were mixing and engineer, like recordist type credits. And then it was after... Um, yeah, it was after 
uh, this one came out in 1971 being hunky dory that uh, he started to produce a lot more stuff like he produced uh rise and fall of ziggy stardust and the spiders from mars um it's a good album oh he was the engineer on son of schmilson which was a harry nelson album wait which one son son of schmilson which i think oh, son of schmilson. was the one after nelson schmilson yeah i really only know nelson schmilson but i feel like i should get into more of his stuff i've listened to that one once i don't own it yet like digitally i already talked about quicksand um i think the this is probably like the most lyrically interesting david bowie album that i listened to because i feel like there are so many like so much imagery from the songs that kind of sticks out to you like life on mars and stuff like that uh i remember in the whatever podcast we did record that in yeah uh previously on lost podcast <laughs> yeah the the thing that i said was my copy was a little bit uh because i was listening to it on vinyl when i re-listened to it yeah and it was a little bit uh warped yeah and crackly and skippy and the speed seemed off on certain parts yeah and i was like oh this sound it doesn't sound like something like i associate it with a certain time in my life but i was like it sounded like something from like 50 years ago and i was like well the album literally came out in like i think 1972 so yeah 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 i just thought it was funny that i referred to it as 50 years ago i was like well that's when it came out like this was probably not treated well in the many years since then so that's why it sounds like that (laughs) yeah yeah i mean it's like it it feels like that like when you listen to it like the the production is distinctly different from the other um uh the other ones that would like the other david bowie albums that would come after this one yeah uh, i, I except would say for lyrically the, like this is the one where i could like quote the most lyrics from probably yeah yeah uh you know uh oh yeah and so also i think that before this album came out uh david bowie had written three songs that were dedicated to people like he wanted to write songs that were dedicated to people who had influenced him yeah ones for bob dylan yeah bob dylan andy warhol and i didn't know this like i know this now because we talked about it on the lost podcast yeah but queen bitch is about lou reed oh yeah yeah i remember you telling me that yeah and then there was one other thing that i that i memorized at the time and i think that was that mick ronson uh Mick Woodmansey and Rick Wakeman who played on this album were all session musicians on this album but they eventually formed what would become the Spiders from Mars. Oh cool. Yeah. So Oh yeah yeah yeah. Mick Woodmansey is on drums, uh Rick Wakeman played piano uh which is a a great particularly a great piano part on on um Life on Mars which is yeah. like a legendary piano part. Yes. And then yeah, and then uh, uh, I remember the one fact that I knew was that. See, I feel like I this came out in an episode already, but uh, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, uh, that Life on Mars, uh, David Bowie wrote that kind of in response to the success of Frank Sinatra's uh, version of My Way. Yeah, you mentioned that. Um, 
And like that, just because those are both two truly epic songs. Yeah. And the fact that like, you know, this one legendary song hadn't happened. This other legendary song wouldn't happen. And I, I don't know. That just fascinates me. Where it's yeah. like those two songs' fates are tied together. There's an alternative history where neither of them exist. Exactly. Yeah. Like if they'd done, because Bowie uh, did was originally doing the, the you know the lyrical adaptation for what would become My Way, and he had different lyrics. If that had just come out as a Bowie release, yeah, and been a flop B-side that no one ever heard again, and then two legendary songs don't exist because of it. Yeah. Man, I don't want to live in that timeline. I tweeted something that was related to Bowie. I I said Bowie, uh, nobody quite owned the 70s quite like Bowie. And I mean, like, of all the musicians that released prominent shit in the... I'm trying to find the tweet. Um, these are all just all bullshit tweets. Uh, yeah, basically I said that nobody owned the decade quite like David Bowie. Yeah. And uh, I'm including, like, literally every artist that released... Um, like I'm including Led Zeppelin, uh, like Pink Floyd, the Stones, Yes, yeah. uh, all of that. Because like all of them released great records in the '70s. Don't get me wrong, like legendary records. Yeah, but I think, sure. but Dave, David Bowie released records like consistently throughout the decade that were all great, and they did not have any fall off whatsoever. Like yeah. Pink Floyd, like uh, didn't begin the decade quite as well as David Bowie because. It wasn't until 73 that they came out with, like, Dark Side of the Moon and stuff like that. Yeah. Although, they... I don't know. They well, were I mean, Dark Side of the Moon was, like, one of the top albums of all time. True. Although... Uh, I, but I get what you're saying about amount of releases and, like, widespread. Like, I guess Dark Side of the Moon was pretty widespread if it was that long, number one. But True. I, but Bowie kind of was, like, an icon of of the time you know yeah also he was he had two albums at the beginning of the decade 71 and 72 and it pink floyd and pink floyd didn't come out with uh i think i don't think um i don't think uh dark side of the moon came out until 73 and i and i don't think that uh well they actually all the stuff after dark side was pretty consistently good though like yeah. wish you were here like animals and uh the wall and the wall where, and then Wall was like towards the end of the decade, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, actually, I, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you. I, for some reason, 82 is coming in my mind, but that doesn't sound right. Hmm. Let's Google this. Pink Floyd Come 79. Close. 79. Yeah. So, Pink Floyd Come Close, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I uh, recently went to the vinyl store uh, yeah. with my brother for a birthday gift. He bought me a couple of vinyls. Oh, nice. Uh, I got a new McCartney album uh, called Back to the Egg. Oh, yeah. Uh, which I listened to. Uh, there's a couple songs on it that I know. Like, uh, I I've recently, I've, uh, I shared with you my playlist that was uh, curated by the algorithm on spotify right uh starting with the song arrow through me by paul mccartney and wings right and it's from that album that was a good playlist yeah uh, i'm pretty proud of that playlist that's my get wrecked for this week by the way is that playlist that i made <laughs> <laughs> uh there's one song on that playlist a bit of a tangent from my main story but there's a song on that playlist uh called till i run with you by the love and spoonful mm. which has been like one of my more favorite songs that I've discovered like in this in the past year. 
Oh yeah. I don't know. I can't, I can't think of that one in particular. Uh, like I've been like, uh, something that I do is I listen to movies. I'll have like the audio for different movies. And I've been like listening to the guardians of the galaxy movies. Oh yeah. Uh, which has a good soundtrack to it. This, and that song sounds like it belongs in a, in a guardians type movie soundtrack. Uh, and I, it's just a really awesome vibe. Yeah, uh, I just remember also that you had specifically... Now, you said it was part of the algorithm, so maybe the algorithm suggested this, but it was specifically the song Moon Rocks by Talking Heads. Yeah, man. And, like, I had I had listened to uh, Speaking in Tongues again after listening to it for the first time, like, a few months ago, or a few months prior. And I, and I specifically noted that how great this song was in particular, Moon Rocks. Yeah. And so it was funny that it, that came up in your fucking playlist. playlist. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, a couple other good songs in there. I, I threw uh, Kid Charlemagne by Celia Dan is yes. in there. Legendary. Uh, an awesome track. Strawberry, Strawberry Fields Forever is yep. in there. That came up. Um, a couple other like McCartney and, Wing, and Wings songs. Like there's a uh, there's one called Magneto and Titanium Man, uh, oh, yeah. which is straight up like based on the character Magneto from Marvel Comics. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I love that. And uh, I wish that the next Marvel Studios film was based as an adaptation of the Paul McCartney song Magneto and Titanium Man. Mm, that would be cool. I mean, it would be. For nobody except me. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, what else is on there? Uh, yeah, really uh, you'll video. you'll hear it when I when we link it in the the notes of the podcast. I was okay. gonna say, was there was like Curtis was there Curtis Mayfield or something like that in there? No, no, never mind. <laughs> there was a. Uh, uh, I don't even know. I'll pull up the playlist rather than speculating. Oh, is there Bill Withers? Maybe? No, it no, was uh I got I got uh th- a song called Oogum Boogum Song by Brenton Wood. Hmm. Uh let's see what else. It sounds it sounds bad because I'm Thunder just like cat. It sounds like I'm trying to guess the right black guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh Oh yeah, there was a the ch- them changes. Them changes Thundercat, yeah. That's a that's a prominent Thundercat track. Uh I put uh, Isn't It a Pity by George Harrison. Yeah. Which is like, it's a longer song. Like, I feel like it's like a seven minute so- song or something like that. That's fine. Um, But it's like, it's like such a like emotional journey of a song. And it's the third song in the playlist. Like it start. I feel like the playlist starts in a good place and then just has some good vibes and then it kind of changes a bit. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember that one in particular, but I'll have to go back and listen to it again. Uh. I have the song She's a Rainbow by the Rolling Stones, uh, mm. which is one that I didn't know very well. Uh, like, it just came up in the algorithm. Uh, I looked into that one a bit. That The album that that comes from was something that the Rolling Stones released uh, kind of in the aftermath of Sgt. Pepper's, kind of trying to, like, do their take on a Sgt. Pepper's type album. Yeah. Uh, like I know famously there was Sgt. Pepper's and I guess Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys. Kind of like the, those like big albums and then the Rolling Stones tried to do their kind of thing. Yeah. And it, and this was a song on it and that album isn't like generally well received. It's kind of like a lesser known Rolling Stones. Probably underrated featured. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But this is a really like kind of like weird happy song with like this piano 
melody, uh, very like toy piano, uh, music box kind of quality to it. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Uh, what else we got here? Cool Cat by Queen. It's a fun Queen song. One that I never heard before this uh, algorithm. My, my, most of my Queen is limited to the greatest hit CD that I played religiously. Oh, yeah. Uh, I knew those songs so well, but those were the only Queen songs I knew. I had the same album on an old iPod Nano. And I think nice. I have like sticking uh, still around so- somewhere. Nice. I kind of want to see if I can sell it to like a collector or something like that because it's still in good condition. Yeah. It's like yay big and it's black. Yeah. Yay is about like an inch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For the audio listener. Oh yeah. Uh, did you just say yay is about this much? Yeah. <laughs> to quantify yay, yay is about like um uh, two inches. Yeah. Inch and a half. Um, oh yeah, so other albums I got, I got a Count Basie vinyl. Oh, nice. Uh, I think it's kind of just like a best of Basie, uh, compilation. Yeah. Uh, but it was like five bucks. Um, and then I got a 45 of the single, uh, Live and Let Die by Paul McCartney and Wings. Yeah. Like their James Bond song. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is pretty fucking cool. I've listened, I listened to that one probably the most out of the, the new purchases. When did that come out, like the movie Live and Let Die? Oh, we can find out. Live research. 1973. Okay, so that was like... I'm guessing that's like the Timothy Dalton era? I feel like that's like post... Uh, Roger Moore. Oh, Roger Moore, yeah. Sorry, Roger Moore came before Timothy Dalton. I've never seen the movie. I love that song, though. That's such like an awesome... Uh, it, you know, I think we've spoken before about the James Bond themes. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I think it's, you know, top tier, and I think it's a top tier McCartney Wings track. I just watched uh, f- fuck. Thunderball because uh, I was uh, over at my parents' house, and my stepdad was watching Thunderball. I think all the um, James Bond films are on, like, Crave or something like that. Okay. Thunderball, I think, was, like, the third one with Sean Connery. Oh yeah, yeah. So and it was pretty good. Like there's that like underwater battle where they're like firing harpoons at each other. I've not seen enough James Bond movies. I've seen like the very first Sean Connery one, Doctor No. Yeah. Uh, and then I've seen the first two of Daniel Craig James Bonds. So you know, this is funny. I was actually said this to my mom because like. We, 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 when I was like maybe 12 or something like that, we went on a trip to uh, Philadelphia. And like, I remember it was right after Casino Royale came out. Yeah. And I tried to watch it in the hotel room and I fell asleep. Oh. Uh, and then like, I tried to watch it again specifically because like years and years, like 10 years later. Yeah. Uh, and I was actually, sorry, more than that because it was recent. And I fell asleep again. Yeah. <laughs> like, I cannot watch this film. Like, I don't know why. Like, there's nothing quantifiably bad in it. Like it's there's something about yeah. it. It's like I I'm always in the like the worst circumstance to watch it because I'm always sleepy, and I don't know why. It's like I've just it's weird. Like I've never been able to get through it. I think I've tried to watch yeah. it like two or three times. If you ever have insomnia, you should put that movie on <laughs> and see what happens. See either you it's like win win because either you'll finish the movie and you'll finally see the end of it. Or you'll fall asleep and you'll you'll get <laughs> yeah. to sleep again. <laughs> I'm like a Manchurian candidate. Instead of, instead of activating my desire to assassinate someone, it just like activates my sleep. Yeah, 
That's why I can't sleep. I haven't watched enough Casino Royale. Yeah. <laughs> I like that one. That was a good one. I hear Casino like Royale. I hear it's like one of the better Bond films of all time. I there's like a lot of parkour in one scene. It was really cool. Isn't that when he's like running on the crane and stuff yeah, like that? That was pretty dope. Yeah, I remember that. That's cool. And I think Mads Mikkelsen is in that. Yeah, he's uh, Le Chiffre. Yeah. I like Mads Mikkelsen. I was trying to introduce my mom to like a whole bunch of Mads Mikkelsen stuff. Yeah. How did it go? Do you like him? Well, I feel like um, uh, I wanted to watch like the movie The Hunt. I'm not sure if you've ever seen it. I've not seen it, no. There's um, two like really good movies by the Danish director Thomas Vinterberg. One of them is The Hunt. Where he's like uh, falsely accused of being a pedophile. Okay. Um, and then there's another one where he's. Uh, they all try to um, maintain like a certain blood alcohol content because they think that it'll make their lives more fun. Yeah. Uh, which is a great one. It's called Another Round. It's hilarious, but it's like also very dramatic too. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of Mads Mikkelsen. He's the bad guy in Doctor Strange. Yeah. And Hannibal. And he's Hannibal. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I mainly know him from. Like I've, like I haven't seen all of Hannibal, but I watched the shit out of like the first couple seasons. Yeah, I think uh, that came out when we were like just finishing high school, and you and I were friends. Yeah. So we talked about that yeah. sometimes. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I I mean, I mean, need to go to rewatch Hannibal because the music was really cool, bringing this back around to music. Yeah. <laughs> music was like very creepy, kind of like uh, avant-garde stuff. Yeah. Also, there. from the lost previously on lost episode, uh, we talked about scary music. Yeah, and I talked about the Earl King, uh, which is like this German poem. That's I don't know how the poem is pretty old, but then like uh, Schubert made the symphony that went with this. Yeah, uh, um, I remember that it was first that it was uh, Schubert's first published work. It's Opus One by Schubert. It's called Erklonig. Yeah, and you mentioned in the past episode, like we'll release the past episode at some point. Like we just have yeah. to get it right. It's just like a, such a bitch to edit. Yeah, but it has that like that like ostinato. Yeah, is it like mimicking the galloping of a horse? Yeah. Which I love that kind of shit where it's like I could picture that being like reenacted with like shadow puppets or some shit with that like like very like like little playhouse theater kind of (laughs) music. Well, there is a YouTube video of that basically that exact same thing. I'm pretty sure. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, and there's like um, I think it's by Goethe, but that the original story was. Yeah. Yeah. That song scares the shit out of me because I remember like rev- like reviewing it line by line in like second or third grade yeah. music class, uh, and like the part where like the the uh, you know facade of the Earl King kind of is unveiled and he's like, if you're not going to come with me willingly, then I'm going to take you by force. Yeah. And then like grabs onto him. And then, uh, the father gets to his destination and the boy is dead. Yeah. I, and like that scared the fuck out of me as a kid. (laughs) And I still think about being like a scared kid when I hear that song. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, uh, piece. Yeah. Uh, I was I don't I can't remember what I talked about in the last episode to be honest with you. Oh, I talked about the caretaker. Yeah. Uh, 
but I don't want to like re- try to remember everything related to the caretaker. Yeah. Uh, but today, actually, uh, I'll bring this up because it was relevant to today. Like, I don't want to touch on too many things from the last episode because if I do end up finding it and releasing it, then it's going to be redundant, right? Yeah. But uh, today I listened to uh, one of Scott Walker's later albums, like the stuff that he released in the early 2000s. Yeah. And the one I listened to was The Drift, uh, which is the second album that he did, like, uh, in his later career. Uh, and that is a fucking scary album. Yeah. Uh, like, he, the, it's hard to categorize. Like, there's a lot of strings. There's a lot of, like, weird sound effects. And there's a lot of, like, lyrics that are in reference to, like, very kind of obscure and, uh, like, just harrowing stuff so I recommend The Drift like I don't really know much about it to be honest with you of the background of the lyrics okay I'll check it out Uh, but knowing Scott Walker it's like a lot of the stuff that he does references like either certain stories or things in history like there's a lot of stuff about like uh, he writes songs about like the history like the 20th century history like certain things that happened and I think one of the songs I do know about this is about like uh like the bosnian genocide but yeah that's (laughs) it's just like i don't even care about the lyrics too much just listen to the the music it'll it'll scare the shit out of you it's very distinct um there were three albums that he uh like studio albums that are not collaborations that he released in his later career that are like like just he went off the creative deep end like people would say yeah um which is tilt that came out in like the late 90s the Drift, and then Bish Bosh, which came out in 2013, I'm pretty sure, because I remember the year that it came out, and I didn't know who Scott Walker was. But those are awesome albums. Scott Walker, like, obviously... I gotta always... listen to some Scott Walker. I mainly know... He did the song uh, 30th Century Man. 30th Century Man, yeah. Which is a fucking amazing song. Yeah. And, and I, I think... mainly know that song from the first Futurama movie that was a straight-to-DVD release i think but it was a banger yeah you mentioned that on a previous podcast because i think that when we did get wrecked nerd i recommended scott three yeah and that's the album that or that's the song that song is off of that album yeah uh and i think most of i think that's one of the only songs in that album that isn't a cover of a jacques brel song yeah uh but scott four which came after which is like probably considered to be slightly better than scott three is pretty much all original stuff. Okay. Yeah. I got to listen to Scott 4. I think I've only listened to Scott 3. Yeah, I would mean the stuff that he did with the Walker Brothers is pretty good, but it's more pop. Um yeah. once once you get to Scott 1 and 2 are still pretty much pop. Scott 3 is where things start to get interesting sonically. And then Scott 4 is considered like one of the best Baroque pop albums of all time. Yeah. And then like he he did some pretty interesting stuff after Scott 4. Uh and then, like, some more kind of modern-sounding stuff, like Climate of Hunter and stuff like that, which is more, like, almost, like, more new wave. Okay. And then, like, he disappeared for a little while, and then he did, like, uh, Tilt, The Drift, and Bish Bosh. And he did, like, a few other things, like collaborations. He collaborated with this, like, uh, sludge metal band called Sun. Uh, and I haven't ever listened to their collaboration because I'm not a huge fan of Sun. But... Uh, they're like a drone, like drone metal, like sludge band. I've never yeah. been able to get into their stuff, but uh, if you're into that kind of thing, <laughs> anyone out there, <laughs> then I recommend giving it a try because Scott Walker is excellent. Okay, I'll start with Scott Four and then yeah. go from there. <laughs> David Bowie was actually influenced by 
Scott Walker. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. I like that people like people. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it was one of the records he listened to before he started to do the Berlin trilogy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Also, I wanted to mention the Berlin trilogy. Okay. Um, because I've only, until a couple months ago, I'd only ever listened to two of the three albums of the trilogy. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Lodger is the one that I was unfamiliar with. I still have not listened to Lodger. <laughs> so, yeah, you yourself are a fan of the Berlin trilogy, but have only listened to two-thirds of the I'm trilogy. I'm a fan of the Berlin duology. Uh, those heroes and low. Yeah are two of the best fucking albums of all time for me. I love them both. Uh, and, like, I couldn't even, like, choose between them, but I'd probably choose Low. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like Low, the the songs are a lot tighter and simpler. Because I feel like, I think Low is the first collaboration between Bowie, Eno, and Tony Visconti. Yeah. I think. I think it was the first one that came out. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was the first one. Yeah. Uh, and then Heroes is a really fucking amazing album. A lot of good songs on it. Uh, Lodger, there's a couple songs that I dig. Uh, uh, there's a song called DJ, I think, or something. Uh, I Am The DJ. Uh, but I really like that song. Uh, it's kind of like a uh, an interesting vibe, It's but it's definitely not one of the greatest albums like the first two albums are for me but it is worth listening to uh or at least the song the dj song whatever that one is i definitely will listen to it because like i I mean most of bowie's albums are still kind of a mystery to me like i only got into aladdin sane lately yeah Um, it's a good one yeah yeah there's still a bunch of bowie albums i don't really know that well yeah, I'm trying to find out. So I, the reason why uh, we brought up Low, and I looked this, this up recently, Low is probably like the one where it sounds the most synthesized out yeah, of all I would, of the... Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, there's still like songs like Be My Wife and stuff like that that have a lot of instruments, but there's a lot of synthesizer, and there's like a legendary uh, like synthesizer sound on it. Yeah. But I'm trying to remember, because like, I remember, I'm trying to remember how they did the drums. Because the, all the drums on the entire record sound pretty much the same. And I know that Tony Visconti used a particular way of manipulating the kit. Oh, and Eventide H910. That's how they uh, um, cr- like made those drum sounds. I'm actually getting this off of a forum. So <laughs> very bootleg. Very bootleg shit. Yeah. But it is an H910. Uh, Eventide H910. Okay. Okay. Uh, Whatever that means, I like the album. <laughs> I think it's what they use to treat the kit. So treatment, uh, sound treatment means like how you manipulate sound. Like when you okay. treat, when you're accredited as doing sound treatment on an album, it means like you've taken the tape and or, or you've manipulated or you've taken samples and you've manipulated oh, them. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like... Uh, uh, I'm going to pull up a, a list of the tracks of the album, just so I have that for reference. Of Low? Yeah. I know it starts with something like New Job in a New Town or something like that. Uh, the first one, I, I'm pretty sure is... Something like that. New uh, job I can't even... It's all the top of my tongue. Oh, Speed of Life, actually. Sorry. New yeah. Job in a New Town. That's a New two. Career in a New Town is the instrumental. That's track seven. 
Are you looking at the same list that I am on Wikipedia? No, I've got it uh, on my phone. I've got it oh, on, okay. on on Apple uh, iTunes or <laughs> whatever the app on the What's phone the is. What's the runtime of a New Career in a New Town? Uh, I don't know. It's pretty short. Like it's two minutes and fifty five seconds. Oh, it's two five one on Wikipedia. Okay. They might have added like a fade. This is a 2017 remastered version. Okay. Uh, I, all that trouble, I went to pull it up and I just left it. I only have a few Bowie albums on my phone right now. I have Black Star, Heroes, Hunky Dory, Low, and Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust. Uh, Breaking Glass off of Low. That's a fucking great. Oh, that is a great song. one. That's that's my favorite off the album. That's the second the Sound track. and Vision is also very close. Yeah. Favorite. Breaking Glass is the second track, right? Yes. Uh, that's um, that's the one. Another one that has like uh, um, what's his name? Eno's synthesizer. One of the reasons why I wanted to specifically revisit or visit Low when I first started to get into it was because it was the one of the albums that influenced uh, Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. Okay. Trent was like a huge David Bowie fan, and that's I like, like people liking people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and like you can kind of see why like the sounds are kind of like weird and detuned, and I yeah. feel like you can hear some of that in uh, the early stuff, specifically of Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, another band that I've been getting into lately, uh, hugely, is Depeche Mode. Uh, oh yeah, uh, yeah. Because I've actually been making some music. I think I sent you a few songs that yeah. I've made. Yeah. Uh, stuff that doesn't have any lyrics in it yet, but. Yeah. What I've been wanting to do is make like a gated drum sound, which if you listen to it, you'd know exactly what I mean. It's like the typical 80s drum sound that has that kind of reverb. Yeah. Re- reverb. Reverberation. It's like, you know, when uh, uh, on like uh, In the Air Tonight, that particular drum sound where it sounds yeah. very roomy. Yeah. Uh, I've been trying to recreate that. Apparently what you do, and this is like, I'll try to make this as simple as possible, but like it's it's not complicated. But like the when you have a reverb, there's something called the decay time, where that's the amount of time where you can hear the reverberation. So if you hear a like a, dr- a drum snare go, Tsh, you can hear the Tsh. that's yeah. the reverb, right? Yeah, yeah. When the decay sound is low, it goes Tsh, like immediately, right? Yeah. So what in the '80s when they were producing. Um, uh, I think it was uh, Phil Collins' drum sound on the first Peter Gabriel album, the first self-titled Peter yeah. Gabriel album. Uh, what they did was that they had a reverb on the drums, but they also had a noise gate on it. So what the noise gate would do, it was actually it would actually filter off the decay time. So it would go boom, boom, and it would like yeah. it would take that decay and just immediately like like slice yeah. it right off. Yeah. So that's how you have a lot of that. And that caught on like a shit ton in the 80s. That's why yeah. like the, every 80s drum sounds kind of sounds the same. And I've been trying to trying to recreate that lately. Like there's a cool um, Vox video on that. I highly uh, I can link it maybe if we if yeah. when we post this episode. But I highly recommend um, looking into that if you ever want to re- reproduce that sound. It's really cool. Uh, what are we at time wise? We're at 54 minutes and 53 seconds. I don't know about you, but I'm mighty hungry. Yeah, same. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, thank you for listening to this very special episode 22 
Welcome, welcome, welcome to the end of the episode. Hell yeah, brother. 